Welcome to another episode of Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy Gary, and today I have a longtime friend of mine, Stephanie Bishop, an endurance athlete who's a little crazy in my opinion because what she does is, is really insane and beyond uh, human capabilities in my opinion. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for the compliment. I, I take crazy as a really big compliment. Take that as, a, <laughs> as positive as you can take it because honestly, what you're doing is something that I didn't know was humanly possible. Well, that's how I know, like, I'm really pushing myself because yeah. I know I have so much more in me to, like, just see how far, like, I can go and what I can push myself, not only physically, but a lot of what I do is is a mental and it's emotional, oh, too. Let's talk about what, what do you do? Okay. What are these, what are the sports you do? So I kind of, like, fall under endurance athlete, ultra endurance athlete. I compete in multi-sports, so uh, I got my first, like, taste of this ultra world, meaning, like, stuff that's... And like in ultra running and ultra is anything longer than a marathon. Uh, the first ultra race I did was this race called the death race up in Vermont. <laughs> and, the good death name. race is the first one. Yeah. yeah okay. In 2010, I did it. And that one was 18 hours long. And it's not just running. It's like chopping wood, solving puzzles, memorization. Like this is a race where it has a long history of people quitting. Everybody wants to right. quit. And I did my first one, and there's a video still on YouTube of this, and the summer one actually I did later on that year, but I'm like the only person out there that's smiling and having a good time. <laughs> I'm like, this is great, you know, and just trying to like do every yeah. task. But um, so I started out at 18 hours, and I knew after that first race, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a space for How'd me. How'd you place? I won that one out, right? You um, won that one out. The first yeah, one it you was won. A small, it was a small group because we were kind of a test group for a right. winter race. But they really, like, you know, put us through the ringer. Um, you know, we, like, I had hypothermia at one point during it. And I was just, like, <laughs> sick as a dog. Oh, they, this was a little silly. They made us drink a gallon of milk sitting in this frozen pond. And the reason mm -hmm. I got hypothermia was I was, like, I can't drink this. So I was the last person in the pond, and I, they pulled me out because I was, like, turning blue. Why do you have to drink milk? Because it was really dumb. This was like an, like an anomaly compared to what they do normally in the race. Yeah. Um, it was more, I think, for like shock factor. They were filming it. But uh, I'm vegan now, so I definitely wouldn't be doing that. Right. But, um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was so sick. And I remember I was like, get through this, Stephanie. You're stronger. And I was like trying to make myself like throw up on like next to this campfire. And all of a sudden I like perked back and I like just like blew past the competition. Um, but I, that was the first one. It was 18 hours. I did one that summer that was... I finished in 33 and a half hours. Um, I came in like, I tied for like fifth or sixth, but I was first woman. And then I didn't do one again until 2014. Wait, when you said you won the first one, that was men or women. Yeah, but it was just a small group. Like only, they only pulled 10 of us. We were supposed to do okay. another race and they sent out an email a week before this snowshoe race asking for 10 volunteers to participate in like a death division. Wow. And basically they were testing out a winter death race to see if it was feasible. I'm guessing from a safety standpoint, mainly <laughs> um, if they could proceed with it and it became a thing after that. So we were there like test dummies out there doing it. Wow. Um, and only three of us made it till the end. And then, yeah, I was top dog. And the, the joke is, is I showed up, I actually went back to, to school at the time. I was at FIT getting another degree in interior design. And I left like class early. I'm like, I have to leave. I have to drive to Vermont. And I got up there five minutes before the race started. And like, you know, me all bubbly, smiley, you know, hey, nice to meet you. Um, apparently the next day, everybody told me that they were taking bets on how long I would last. Everybody wow. counted me out. And you destroyed out. them. Destroyed everybody. <laughs> They're like, she's too happy. She's too positive. Like, what is that a negative attribute? Right. I mean, Actually, that's probably a better attribute. It to have. really is. And that's yeah. my secret to getting through a lot of this. It's well, let's backtrack. I know you, we met in 2003. Was it before Crowbar opened? They yeah, opened, up, they opened up. Yeah, yeah we, December we were working there 2003. In the marketing department. I was, at least. I think you were as well yep. before they opened. Crowbar was this massive super club, probably the last, one of the last super clubs in New York City. And we were interning there. And that's where I met you. Yep. And, uh, Great stories, great times back then, obviously. Uh, and then I hadn't seen you. We'd see each other once in a while. And I remember running into you a few years later, maybe like eight years later, maybe even 10 years later. And I asked you what you're up to. And you told me, yeah, I think I'm going to be, uh, I'm trying to be a professional endurance athlete. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever that means. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I knew you from the clubs. I didn't even know you were athletic. Yeah. Well, even then, um, in 2005, I did my first ever triathlon. And I was working in the office and every Tuesday I would have to leave early to go to like my run group. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually I raced and I was like, oh, I, 
like kind of like triathlon, but I wanted more. I like wanted to go. Most people road. don't want more. Most people are like, I wish there was like a little bit shorter. I mean, I, it, I, <laughs> no, I was just like, it's fun. But like, it wasn't enough unknown to me. Like I'm very like, dr like drawn to right. like, Ooh, the unknown, like what's out there. Where, well, a lot of like, us are in nightlife were drawn because it was the mystery of nightlife, right? It is. And, yeah. and it's like the surprise of like, what's going to happen. And like, you never know. I mean, right. some nights were amazing. And other right. nights where I was just actually one night, I remember hosting, I threw my radio into the garbage can. I was so fed up. I threw it in the garbage and I left. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Um, I think it was like my fourth night working in a row over Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. So it was just like, yeah. I was at the end of my line. So I didn't, did you, were you an athlete in high school or college? I was an athlete like ever since I could crawl. Basically. I didn't so I didn't know that about you back when we were interning. I mean, not that we discussed that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents, I was in gymnastics at a really early age. I was recruited at a birthday party by the head coach of a gymnastics gym. Okay. He went to my parents and he said, I need to train her. Like she might go to the Olympics. We need to train her. How did he know that? Were you running around? Um, you I doing? have really broad shoulders yeah. and I was really strong from a young age. So I was just like hanging off of things, swinging around like effortlessly. So right. he's like, you know, please let me train her. And I only did it for about, I think not even a full year. I was so, believe it or not, I was very timid. Like I was very intimidated by being around other people who I didn't know and also older older people yeah. and I would age out of my group because I was too advanced so I was with girls that were like two three years if not older than me and I would cry and cry so my mom said just finish like finish this semester you're out after this you don't ever right. have to go back again I'm not going to be one of those people so that was the end of my gymnastics career how old were you then I was like four or five. I was like So five. what did you do in high school? So you... in high school, I did team sports, you know, um, soccer, but I played on the varsity boys team because we didn't have a girls team at my high school. Very small high school. Where, um, it was in Long Island? It was on Long Island, yeah. Uh, Portledge. It's okay. like a you know, super tiny private school. Okay. There are 27 kids in my graduating class. Um, Sounds I, like my high school. I wanted, to play high, I wanted to play hockey in the winter season, but my parents said no way. Um, so I fenced instead. Uh, which just sounds so preppy, but it was fun. Exactly. I'm like sword fighting. Let's go. Sword you know? fighting. Yeah. In my head, sword like... fighting sounds great. Fencing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's uh, it's an amazing sport. It's like right. it's like chess in a way. You really. I'm have just saying from a high schooler's perspective. Yeah, but uh, so there was fencing, and I was a big lacrosse player always. Ever since I was like in fourth That's grade. That's huge in Long Island, right? Huge, especially like where I grew up. Yeah. Um, so I was a big lacrosse player. And I ran a little cross country on the side when we started a cross country team. I, I would assume that you were like a cross country fiend. Not so much. I feel like, I don't know what it was. Like I ran, like I ran well, but I didn't exactly like find my stride. And I don't know if it was because maybe always since like back then I was into like, like, like longer hikes when I would go on like outdoor red programs and do like eight yeah. hour hikes. Like oh, I was more into Were you doing like that, that when you were younger? Yeah. in seventh, uh, I think it was sixth through eighth grade. And you my, chose to do this. You liked it. I loved it. We had an I outdoor did, ed program. I loved it. I couldn't wait to go camping. That's hilarious. Cause I know, and I run outsiders. I was never a big outdoors avid hiker or anything. What I liked was what I like about the outsiders is the community, right? That's what my passion yeah. is. And I like the outdoors now and I appreciate the hikes and I see how I feel different when I'm out there. But I was never one to like, can't wait to sign up for a hike in high school. That wasn't me. Oh my gosh, I couldn't I was wait. all about basketball. That was my thing. See, yeah, no, yeah. I was always outside climbing trees, like digging like holes in the mud. You know, I was like, I just always wanted to be outside all of the time. Do you have siblings? I've been, I'm a classic middle child. Uh, <laughs> surprise, that surprise. It all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an older brother uh, and a younger sister. They're about a year and a half apart from me okay. on either side. Older brother, not athletic sorry brad he's actually he's really smart but oh, like brad. we both played on the soccer team and he, i started as a freshman and he didn't on the men's varsity team yeah, you yeah. started i started i was starting defender right full I'm, they must have given him a lot of grief about that not really no? the, they used to call him the prince because they said he looked like prince william so they were like oh the oh, prince. He was a pretty boy okay he was a, the prince. so uh but uh so yeah the prince was fine with that but he was good at fencing <laughs> 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 you know he was good at fencing. My brother's six foot three. 
Yeah. I'm five foot seven, so he always had a good reach. Yeah. So he was really good at You look like you have a great reach, even though you're five seven. So, I mean, I guess so. You know. Long arms, broad shoulders. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's got to help when you're doing I'm like trying to muscle my way through. I don't have as much finesse <laughs> as the other fencers. I'm more like broad. No, I'm guessing it helps with the endurance. Uh, it does. Yeah. It definitely does. And my younger sister, she's athletic. Like, she's not uh, nearly as crazy as I am. What do your parents and your family members think about your, your career path? I feel like at first they were kind of like, oh, is this really going to be a thing? Right. You know, can't you just be like a normal person? Kind of like my response when you told me that. I was like, what? That's going to be your, that's going to yeah. be as a career. But I didn't, I, again, I was way removed from the, I didn't know anything about the outdoor realm either at that, yeah. at that point. I think like now, obviously they're, um, they're very proud of what I've achieved. You know, it's, it's very different. But, you know, I well, feel like my sister is by far my biggest supporter. She's like yeah. my super number one, like from the get go. I mean, who wouldn't be? I, I brag about you. Thank you. And I, I, I wonder how often do I see you? Once every 10 years? I, I hope it's yeah. not that no, long anymore. No, hopefully it's more often. But like when I saw you on TV, I, so you told me you want to be an endurance athlete. And then a year later, I see you on TV having won the world's toughest mutter. Yeah. And that was, I was like, I was, first of all, I was impressed. I think I texted you right away. I, I sent you a photo of the TV. I say congratulations, um, but please let us let everyone know what you've accomplished. What what races have you won? What are they? What do they entail? Like, well, there's, a, there's a long list. There, there's a long list. I've done triathlons. I'm done and over with. But I've done a lot in triathlon. A lot of like talk about the crazy stuff. The crazy stuff. So that started in 2010. You can talk about anything you want, but the crazy stuff to me. 2010. Is um, we started. I started death racing, so to speak. So those races, I've, I'm four for four. Longest race was 65 hours long. Um, the shortest one was only 18. What was the toughest mutter one? The world's, world's toughest, toughest mutter. Um, that is a, it's a five mile tough mutter. It's a five mile loop course. Yeah. There's about 20 obstacles per loop, and you do as many loops as you can in a 24 hour period. And you did period. like 22? No, no, not that many. Unfortunately, I did 17 for 85 miles plus an additional few miles for penalties <laughs> of missed obstacles. That's it, just, just I'm, 17. I'm guessing I was in like the 90-ish range, 90 miles or so. Jeez. But uh, and keep in mind, like World's Toughest Mudder, you're running around in a wetsuit for the majority of this because it's cold. You're in and out of the water. I did the one that was in Vegas, so yeah. it was like you're in the water, you're out of the water, the wind's hitting you, so you have, you're running in a wetsuit, maybe some rain gear over that. Yeah, um, it's a it's interesting. The best part is actually training for that because you're running around like neighborhoods in a wetsuit, and people are like, oh, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you? What are you doing?" Were you running around Long Island in a wetsuit? I was doing well. I was actually in Colorado training, so I would go out in like 5 a.m. so nobody would see me, and where I was training at my friend Cindy's house. Uh, in basalt which is like down valley from aspen i'd run to the river like sit in the river get my hands really cold go run to the playground do like monkey bars and other grip strength and then like run back to the river and sit in the river and like do it over and over um but i had to do i felt like i had to do it in the dark because it was kind of creepy even though i'm a woman it's still kind of creepy but you also, I mean, the actual competition was at night as well, right? It's all, it's nonstop. So that one, it started at noon and ends at noon, but like they do give you an extra, there's like a leeway of, it's like an hour, an hour and a half. If you're out on your final lap, you have until, I think, I think it's 1.30 PM the next day to finish that final lap. Um, wow. So like it, you know, you have, a, I think until 11 AM to start your final lap and then you get a little extra buffer time, but you have to finish the lap or else it doesn't count. So tell, so tell us about all the races you've participated in one and what, what are, what do they entail? I mean, it's not just running, right? No, there it's all multi-sport death races. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Like sometimes they give you a gear list. Sometimes they don't, um, they don't necessarily tell you when it's going to start and they don't tell you when it's going to end. So that's more like chopping wood. Car we carried boulders up a mountain one time and had to build a stone stair case up a mountain um i i had to do memorization puzzles i still remember from my first ever one it's six zero nine four seven eight nine eight zero four seven two one six seven one nine eight six one six i had to memorize those numbers at the you're top of a mountain a robot you just had to like you know like because you don't know if you're gonna need it or not they're like memorize these numbers right. that's all like and run back down to the farm but how many numbers were there i didn't count it was off. i think uh 
21 or something like that. Like the human brain, I think, is only programmed at least here to memorize, I think, around 10 because yeah. that's phone numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I remember like I was saying them to myself over and over in the middle of the night in the winter in March in Vermont. And I like actually went in the wrong direction because I was just in my head trying to right. memorize these numbers. And I found my way back on trail, thankfully, because it's winter, so you can see Tracks. lights. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, oh, the farm's over there. Like, let me turn around. Um, and I was the only person that got the numbers right. Um, I came up with some weird, like, like story in my head, like how the numbers like work together. The mnemonic uh, device. Yeah, or some like yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, just it's all it's a mind game. So death race is very different. It's off the cuff. I won't. I'm dumb. Like I'm retired from death racing. Um, Would you say those are the hardest? Or are they just the craziest because you don't prepare for? They're kind of the craziest in the way because you don't know what's going to happen in terms of like uh in terms of like tasks you know one year our theme was money we had to carry around 50 dollars in pennies which is like 30 pounds of pennies um in addition to like 10 pound bag of onions a post hole digger um an it's ancient almost like Greek what, I, 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 you know to me i think the death race creators or whoever comes up with the ideas are a bunch of stoners right <laughs> they're, they're like they're smoking <laughs> joints eating pizza like what else can we make them do i have an idea joe decent yeah. is definitely joe decent actually started spartan race okay um, but he's definitely not but that's fine but they they are like well yeah how can we they are like one requirement is like will this make somebody quit like that's what they want they they want people to quit they want because right. they want people to push themselves as right. far as they possibly think they can because what we think is very different right. what we're from what we're capable of and you've mentioned you, i think you were seeing this off camera but you don't think you've reached your full potential yet no definitely not i think if anything i'm just starting to really find my stride um because so i did the death races i actually got a stint on wall street as a result of the death race um, how so when i won it joe offered me a job a few months later on wall street doing what uh, i actually became an equity der derivatives broker yeah. What's the correlation between a death race winner and, oh, maybe the numbers? Um, no, I think it was more just like being able to like work under pressure yeah. and to be like, you know, kind of find solutions to problems and also be like, I was like personal. Like did you like did you have to get certified or licensing? For uh, that? Yeah, I had my Series Seven and Sixty Three, which like just expired last year, so I will never be returning to Wall Street. No, thank you. I'm done right. with that. But um, and that's, that's, that dynamic is much different. You're going from like the outdoors and being, you have a lot of. I don't know if you can tell on camera. <laughs> she has a lot of energy. <laughs> I'm like fidgeting underneath of the desk here. I'm like I have to sit we still. Can see. We can see. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like and I thought I would give it a shot I actually just graduated from design school the day before he offered me a job okay. and I was working with a designer and she's like you can always come back to design like why not just give it a shot sure. um it wasn't for me like I actually stopped racing for a few years I was like sucked into broker life going out four nights five nights a week drinking a lot like I was unhealthy yeah but I was unhealthy and I was just unhappy too I would have like anxiety if I like left the city for the weekend and was coming back, I would get anxious. Like I yeah, didn't yeah. want to no, be here. Yeah. And eventually I like, I reached my breaking point. I was like, I am done with this. Like I cannot do this. Um, it just so happened though, that a friend of mine from a gym I used to go to in Soho, um, he was starting a small broker dealer and he hired me not to really broker, but to kind of do a lot of things for him. Like, you know, like we worked at Crowbar. We, we wore yeah. a lot of hats. We learned yeah. a lot of things about business, how to run businesses and all these different aspects of it. So it was great because I was like his right hand woman. He gave me the flexibility of racing. He loved that I raced. He's like, don't come back unless you win. And like right. he said it in the most <laughs> loving way, being like, kick all their asses, yeah. you know, and, and Brett's a great person. So like that setup was wonderful. Unfortunately, that company has dissolved. Otherwise, I'd probably actually still be working there just because it was like a good atmosphere for me to be right. in. But like the whole Wall Street before that, definitely not an atmosphere. No, and when I, you said I have a hard time visualizing you in that environment. Well, that that office was casual. Like, you know, I would come in from the gym. Like I right. would- like, Not just so much that, but like the, the Wall Street bros. Well, see, again, like that one company that I work for is a small company, right? Yeah. Like it's like six of us. Um, okay. It was very different. It was, right. you know, and, and my friend, he also, they had like other business interests in other things like music production and all these other, like it was a variety, even though like, yeah, like we were there all for the brokerage, mm -hmm. there were still all these other businesses. So it was just 
much more my speed. Yeah. It wasn't like just cut and dry. Like that makes more sense. Wall Street style, because I wouldn't have lasted. So you you took a break from racing and then you went back yeah. into it. And what were you? What were the races you were doing? So, I still want to hear well, all these crazy races. Well, I winged the, I winged an Ironman while I was working on like the. Thick what do you of Wall mean you winged an Ironman? I did not train. I like did not train at all. <laughs> and. Um, I raised a lot of money for charity. I, it was the only Ironman that was ever in New York. It was like started in Jersey. You like swam down the Hudson River. How many miles? So Ironman's 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. So here I am like 15 pounds heavier because it's all like just alcohol and, right. and food because you're going out to eat every night. And I'm like, I like, and this is a little di bit different. And the normal Ironman's like a mass start, swim start. But because we're in the Hudson, we like took, they ferried us up to the swim barge. And once you got on the barge, your timer chip went off. And so you had to jump in and go. And I remember jumping into the Hudson, Oof. looking up, seeing like how far I had to go and thought to myself, oh, there is no way in hell I'm going to even make it through this swim. Like I'm screwed right now. Uh, how'd you feel about jumping in the Hudson in general? Yeah. Well, yeah. What part of the Hudson were you in? That was north of the GW. So I've swam in multiple parts of the Hudson. All right. So um, like by the tap and stuff like that? Tap um, it's a little bit farther south. So like George Washington Bridge, like up almost three miles. Oh, okay. But I, for New York City Triathlon, you're swimming on the Upper West Side and they call it the Hudson Mustache. So you come out with like, <laughs> like grime on your face. And Ooh. it's so, it's now, I mean, I, one year we swam, I did New York City Triathlon, there were jellyfish in the Hudson that were really? like, they were enormous. And this doesn't scare you or bother so you. Not only can't you see past your elbow because of all this, like the Silt. soot and yeah. like the, it's just the grime, like you are getting stung by jellyfish. Um, made me swim a lot faster, Yeah. but um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty nasty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You are one of the more, I don't want to say the most, because I don't want to offend anyone, but the more interesting interviews we've had so oh, far. Good. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, okay, I leave, I'm done with Wall Street. Um, I, in 26, so in 2015, I winged that Ironman in 2012. In 2015, I'm like, I want to race. Like, I, I need to do this. Like, yeah. I just, I'm doing it for nobody else except for myself. Yeah. Um, which I think is a very good reason to do, go do something. Um, it's the best reason. It is. It's yeah. and it's not selfish. I don't think it's selfish no. one bit. So, I like started. I signed up for um, a race. It's actually the first ever obstacle course race. I, it's, it's called Tough Guy, and it's in Wolverhampton, England. Okay. It's in January, and it is just like it's like first they like have this like cross country run section, and then you enter this like obstacle gauntlet, and it's miles of these like not like pretty fancy obstacles. It's more like old massive wooden structures over like pits of filthy water and this is like, medieval stuff it, yeah. it really is yeah. um and i go there and i get hypothermia and i'm i'm out like somebody pulls me like they like throw me out of the water other people in the water i was so cold i was blue and there are photos of me from the beginning of the race and i have color on my yeah. face and then a photo of me later in the race and I, you were just like oh you don't look too good and people they like literally just like lifted me out and just like threw me on the ground and i i literally just flew to england to get hypothermia did not finish i was so pissed i mean i've got i'd be afraid that you don't know your limits and you get hypothermia like there comes a point like and i've unfortunately had it a handful of times not a lot but you kind of know like when it's getting too dangerous okay and if you don't know then you're already out of it to the point where other people know that okay. you're in trouble. Um, it's pretty easy to, to to spot it on somebody and to at least spot the beginning signs of it. Um, but no, like hypothermia, yeah, that's that's not fun. But anyway, they have <laughs> they have great med tents there, so they always because that's a big thing there. So they're they're well prepared for people to get hypothermia. And I go into this tent. This is actually great. And they like give me like an old tattered wool blanket and like all these people are sitting in there. It's like a war zone and they're like shivering and they're like, they like give this guy next to me a cup of tea and he's shivering so much. Like the tea just like spills everywhere. They have like a fire in there burning and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I'm not that bad compared to everybody else, but this is like, like, okay, this is like an interesting race experience. And I actually tried to go back out on the course. But my friend is the head marshal, and he's like, no way. He's like, you might get a heart attack, like all this Ooh. other health stuff, complications. You have no idea how stressed your body is right now. And I thank him, Chris. He's in Germany to, for that because, you know, I'm stubborn and competitive. I was like, I don't care if I'm not winning this anymore. I just want to finish it. And I thought I was competitive, but I, I, I definitely don't have, like, I don't think I could push my body the way 
you do. And it's a mental game. It's not about the body. Well, that's it. And I think, but again, like for any of these things and then people say like, how do you do all this? Like I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to go do a 60 hour race. It's taken me many years and many mistakes, but many things that I've also done right. Mm -hmm. Um, you learn a lot through experience and I always tell people and whether they're like, I do some coaching, whether they're clients or just people in general, I always say like, you know, we all have this like mental line we've like drawn in this sand. And I say sand because it's easily movable. Mm -hmm. And you know, the more we start to like push ourselves a little more, the more we realize like that line is way too close to us. Like that line could be a lot farther. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be open with the fact that it's probably going to be uncomfortable to reach that next line. But you know, like, just approach it with an open mind and approach it also depending on what it is you with a strategy, right? Yeah. You know, you have to have a, you need to have a plan. And yeah. a lot of the times your plan goes out the window, but then you have a backup plan. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine doing, again, my line is right here right now. So I can't imagine doing anything beyond five miles personally. We should go do a Tough Mudder Tri-State. But I, have, I, have, I did have two back surgeries. So th some things are complicated for me. So we won't, do you have any metal in your body? No. Okay. So you can still do electroshock therapy. <laughs> oh, they have they get electrocuted in the race, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, we can get, a, I'm going to do a quick tangent. In World's Toughest Mudder, they actually had, I don't know if they still have it. It was it was so much fun and I'm laughing. They had operation, they called it. So you stand in a puddle, they, you have a huge metal pole and you have to put the metal pole through this like little metal lined ring and it is electrified to like hook off a shower ring off a wall behind it and like pull it back. Even if you get shocked, as long as that ring comes back to you, you're good to go and you don't get, you don't have to run a penalty loop. And I remember that I got like shocked you in the middle. see she's smiling while she's recounting <laughs> this story? Because it's, it's just so funny. <laughs> like I got shocked in the middle of the night and I was like, ooh, it's like a, you know, like a shot of espresso. Like just woke me up, you know, I'm good to That's go. That's what it's like, a shot of espresso. I mean, it's quick. You're like, yeah, like, you know, you know it might happen, but they don't turn it up that high. But anyway, so, okay, back to the racing. 2015, I DNF my first race back. I'm like, all right, great, start to the year. I started to race, like, get into, like, some like some other smaller obstacle course races. Um, and I was doing okay. Um, and then I actually wanted to go to World's Toughest Mudder that year. And that summer, I rolled my ankle at a race. And I raced on it again two weeks later. I rolled it again. Oof. And I rolled it a third time. And that was like at, to the point where I couldn't actually like run um, because I was stubborn and I should have seen my PT immediately. And he gave me an option that fall. And he said, you can go run World Toughest Mudder if you want. We can get you ready for it. But you may race at 75% of like what you have from now until maybe forever. Or you can sit this one out. You can listen to me, stop running until I tell you you're allowed to run. I don't know how long that's going to be. And that for me, that's like, a, oh my gosh, right. it's scary, yeah. but we can get you to hundred percent and you can be like, have a healthy, like good career. And you know what he also said? And I said, well, I'm getting old and this and that, like ageism, stupid. And that's a big thing. Well, I, I want to ask you about that. I know we're similar in age. You know, how, I do you mind saying your age? I'm 38. I feel better now than I did in my twenties. Um, I feel stronger you're 38? now. I'm 38. I feel I thought you're closer to my. I'm 42. Yeah, no, I'm 38. I actually feel faster. I feel stronger. I feel w way more like well-rounded as an athlete. And my PT said, "Well, all those years you spent drinking drinking on Wall Street, he goes, you saved your joints. He goes, you didn't do anything See, to really. That's not what I did. Hurt your joints. I was always I was a active and playing sports and in the gym since I was 16. Yeah, I, I never stopped. It was sporadic for me during Wall Street. I'd like do yeah. like have like little like bits where I'd like be at the gym for a few weeks yeah. and then I'd like stop going or I'd just go to the gym and walk on the incline with like a weighted vest on. Right, right. I was never doing like anything extreme. Right. So I was just like, I was like, oh, that's actually a good point. So I like, I listened to my PT for once yeah. and he brought me back down to like level one and we worked on like all the like little issues that, you know, they're like little things, but over time they could become really big things. And yeah, the PTs following year, like make it possible, especially when you get past your prime. My workout partner is a PT, Brent Brookbush. I think uh, some of you guys know him as well, but um, I'm blessed to have him as a workout partner. Yeah, you certainly are, yeah. because my all my friends that are PTs probably hate the amount of texts that they get from me. Well, he, he's he's like I <laughs> uh, got an educational platform. He's no longer really a PT, but he still has that. He knows. I mean, he 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 studied it. I mean, it's yeah, no, about his he, knowledge isn't going great. anywhere. I tell you, like. I have my body breaks down 
every other month, right? And I work out with him, so he'll like tweak whatever he needs to tweak, and I'm back up and running. Yeah, for me now, like knock on wood, I'm gonna knock here on this desk. Yeah. Um, you know, I've kind of like honed in over the over the past few years on like what my major imbalances are, and like I feel great. Like I feel really good. Um, so he got you to 100. What'd you do from there? So so from what? But he got you to 100. percent Got me to 100. Yeah. percent So. In 2016, I was like, okay, world's toughest mother, that's like my A race, it's November. And then I finally got into a sport that I waited 16 years to get into from when I first said I wanted to get into it, and that's adventure racing. Okay, and what's adventure racing? Adventure racing is a team sport. Um, it, it includes trail running, mountain biking, paddling of some sort. Sometimes you're in canoes, kayaks, pack rafts. Sometimes there's like ropes courses. But the object is, is your team has to find checkpoints on maps using just the maps and, the comp and a compass. Sometimes you have to plot your own points. They just give you coordinates. And yeah. sometimes the maps come pre-plotted. But your team moves as a single unit. You can't, like, leave a team member behind. Um, it's not a relay. Um, so, And you're out there as long as it takes. I mean, given, obviously, time cutoffs. But those races anywhere, go anywhere from, like, 12 hours. And I've done a race that was five days long. Um, no sleep? You sleep when your team wants to sleep, uh, unless you hit like a blackout zone. Let's say if you're at a river in the middle of the night and you're not allowed to float it, like you're stuck there until it's daylight. Did you have practice for no sleep at Crowbar? I did. So the joke <laughs> is, yeah, I did. Actually, I had a lot of practice there. I mean, when I started, when I took over at night, like doing guest list stuff, yeah. like pre-night, and then I worked at night, I was working from 5 p.m. until 5 a.m., go home come back to work at 6 p.m. and work until 5 a.m. the next night. Yeah. And then I would have only Sunday off, which didn't really matter because I was sleeping. I would have Monday off and I'd be back in the office on Tuesday. So, yeah, it actually did help. And running around in stilettos on concrete floors, <laughs> let me tell you, that is a lot worse than climbing mountains in nice sneakers. A lot worse. So, uh, but... Um, but yeah, it did help. I think like, you know, like you also like learn a lot, like, you know, when you're up and you're, let's say it's a good night, like yeah. how your energy changes, like just based upon the energy that's around you. And like, actually now that we're talking about it, yeah, it was a big lesson because mm -hmm. when you're like, it's amazing night, like those, like, let's say like gay pride weekend and we it would just be like crazy amount of people in the club and like music was so great. Like I wasn't tired. Yeah. Went straight to the parade. Like, and we like had a float and went in the parade, like went down fifth Avenue, danced down fifth Avenue. Like that's just energy right there. Like you're feeding off of energy and it's a full circle because mm -hmm. I'm feeding off of your energy. You're feeding off yeah. of my energy. Absolutely. Um, and like, I'm feeding off. I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm feeding off your energy right now. I was exhausted. I came in today. Bam. I'm tired. Right. I said, I'm tired. And then I did an interview, <clears throat> the one interview before you. And then yours, and I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to run now. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's take this to the road. Are these, like, portable or something? If we could, <laughs> I would. I'm not lying. I feel that way right now. You know, and, and that's a big deal. And, like, and you, like, you'd be surprised, I think, how many people don't use that to their advantage. But I don't, I, don't, I don't think everybody gets energized by the same ways that you and I might. Maybe that's true, but I think that we all can find something in our immediate surroundings or something that's a memory in our head that makes us happy and right. laugh. And like for me, it's like I'm out there, whatever race I'm doing, if I'm by myself and I'm miserable, I'm like, what can I find that's going to make me laugh or smile right. for one second? Yeah. If I can smile for one second, that's usually the catalyst to get me moving in, in the right direction. Have you worked with any therapists as far as like being were you just doing this naturally naturally this just really? like came naturally to me like you i never great coach for this stuff you know i i'm but, oh, but, you are you doing you, well i don't do that type of coaching i'd love to i think it would be no, I, i'm saying i know it's it's a huge part of your sport yeah so are you are you train you're training athletes that do this yet more for like physical training you know like writing yeah. training plans stuff like that but from like <clears> a mental perspective i would love to i mean i ne actually never thought about doing that um i generally like just, you know, share my knowledge with people. And, you know, like, I think I, I'm really, again, shocked, like, at the, how people are, like, surprised that, like, that's my trick. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I mean obviously it's... training and preparation, but but when the going gets tough, crack a smile. Like, yeah. it, it really changes. Yeah. Like, fake it. Just yeah. fake a smile or just, like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, oh, look at that cute squirrel. Hey, squirrel. Or, like, it sounds so But it's changing your mental state. You're taking the I'm initiative take to changing your own mental state. And I'm not focusing on the negative. It's right. so easy. It's so easy when things are going wrong to focus on every little negative detail yeah. that there is. But when, like, and the same goes with when something's going right, you know? But, like, so it's, like, when something's going wrong, just, like, 
Find the 1%. So you found that sport that you've been waiting 16 years so for. So I start doing it. I race with a team that's like middle of the pack team. I'm racing with them because... It's got to be tough for someone who's like extremely competitive. It is. And it was like, it was tough. But in my eyes, it's like, well, right now, no competitive team is going to necessarily take me on their team because I'm not like, I have no experience in that sport specifically. So I was like, let me just get experience. Like it, experience goes a long way. So I raced with them for a while. And then I did World's Toughest Mudder. That I did three 72-hour races that year, two or three. Um, I did, and, like, they were fine. Like, we didn't, like, win or anything. Um, I remember, though, I did this one race in Aspen at Red Bull. It was called the Red Bull Rise. And, like, you had a 12-hour period. You would go up Aspen Mountain, like, the main mountain in Aspen, and then you take the gondola down. You do that as many times. I came in fifth place. I missed fourth place by, like, 26 seconds. And this was, like, the first time I ever actually really – divulge into more just like pure running or mm -hmm. like I don't even it's not really even running it's like mountain climbing you right. know hiking power hiking trail running right um it is but it's like not because we're just going up so like and it's so steep you're climbing about 3,000 feet in like two and a half miles oh. so it's more like power hiking yeah. but but it was in something new to me and I was like let me try all these things like right. you know and then I went five days later and I raced in a 72-hour adventure race which I got bronchitis at. I have asthma too. So I like, am super susceptible to getting bronchitis, which is why I don't like short things. Cause to run a 5k, I have to warm up so long. I'd rather just go run for 12 hours as silly really? as it sounds. Well, I'm more like, it just, I guess it's like, I'm able to like calm and settle in. So oh, my I breathing gets you're, more you're, regulated. You're, you're second wind in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I do these adventure races. We do nationals that year, yada, yada, yada. And here I am, like, getting ready to go to World's Toughest Mudder. And I'm like, okay, it's been, like, World's Toughest Mudder was also, like, six years in the making. Because when they first announced it, my sister was like, you should do it. Yeah. You would win it. And I didn't. I was in design school. And then I worked on Wall Street and all this other stuff. And so it was a long time coming. I didn't tell anybody I was going. Like, a handful of people knew. Just because I was like, you know – Ah, I just want to like go and like, you know, kind of like show up yourself. and do my, yeah. do my thing. Yeah. Um, and I showed up and this gal who I know, she's like, I can't believe you're here. She goes, Oh my gosh. She's like, how did I miss you? I signed up two days before the race. Not even so, so people wouldn't see my name. Like what, PR you people. you have a recognized name then? Cause and had well, you the won? one woman who did the PR, who did like a, she did like PR and obstacle course racing. Yeah. Um, she knew me from death race. So if she saw my name on like the entry list, she would have definitely mentioned my name in like the pre press. And I was like, no, I think we'll just leave that out of there. So you do that purposely. I did do it purposely. It also allowed me to focus, yeah. you know, like I just like, I love talking to people. So I didn't want to like, like waste time talking to a lot of people like who are going to maybe possibly message me and be like, Oh my gosh, you're doing worlds. I'm so yeah. excited. Like, which is great. I love the support. But like when I go into like training mode, I go into training mode and I just feel bad about not responding to people because it's rude. But like I also need to be in my training vortex. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, so yeah, I went and I had like almost a two lap lead going like halfway into the race with like an only near 10 mile lead. And then I succumbed to some dehydration issues um, from earlier Cramping in up. the day. Way worse than cramping. Like I, any type of nutrition was coming straight out of me <laughs> like i end? was like getting like sick like yeah. like like ready to puke i was because like i don't want dehydration so sometimes like when you get dehydrated your stomach just like doesn't like function well so okay. it was like for me it was due to dehydration because it was about 80 degrees during the day and then i was just like you know running as not as hard as i could but i was like working and i wasn't taking in enough liquid during my pit stop so it's like you go in like nascar like you have your pit crew you like come in after five miles. And if you're competitive, your crew knows exactly what you need. Like they are either like one person may be throwing on a wetsuit on you. The other one's like changing your shoes. The other one's like shoving food in your mouth. And right. like in like a minute, you're back out on the course. You know, it's quick because that yeah. time adds up. Yeah. Um, but so my crew was in like, um, they were in like, okay, we need to like make sure you're like, you have to come out of this because I didn't know that I had a big lead at that point. My crew, I told them purposely, I don't want to know if, if I'm ahead, if I'm like in first place, fine, let me know that, but lie to me, like where second place is. Like, tell me they're a lot closer right. than where they are. Like, I don't want to know if it's a big lead or not. And I thought like second place was like right behind me. Little did I know I was like, I had a really big lead, which 
thankfully I did because I ended up walking almost two loops. They actually gave me a chaperone, a friend of mine who was racing, Scott, because they're like, she's going to run. Like she can't run right now because she can't get in nutrition. Like she needs to slow down to get her body like balanced again right. so she could take in nutrition and hydration. <laughs> so they gave me a chaperone who was running the race and he's like, I'll walk with her. I'll make sure she doesn't run. A few times I tried to run away from him and he got so angry. So I like stopped. <laughs> Like, you know, like final walk and like did yeah. a little bit of that. But eventually, like I felt good enough and I like just hauled ass and like left him at one point. I was like, peace, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm good. I feel good now. Let's keep on going. So, yeah. So that was kind of like the start of like reintroduction for me of like back into like endurance and being like, oh, this is well, great. Yeah, let us know. Did you win that one? Yeah, I won that one, of course. Okay. That's, that's what you saw me on CBS. That's the one you won? Yeah, okay, that's the one cool. I won. Yeah. So unfortunately, in 2017, I raced a lot. I did adventure racing. I went to the Adventure Racing World Championship. That was the race where my team was out there for five days. Oh, I have a lot of stories about that, but we'll save those for another time. Okay. Um, but um, I went back to World's Toughest Mudder that fall. That, well, I guess it was fall November, beginning of November. And I went in with um, an undiagnosed hip like blip. We'll call it. Well, I wasn't sure what it was because I was training in Colorado. I was getting pain in my hip. I like went to the hospital there. They only did an x-ray because of my insurance. They couldn't do an MRI. I had to fly back to New York. My orthopedist was on vacation in New York. So I actually couldn't see a doctor for like weeks. So I said, well, let me just stay here. Do like, you know, do PT. I like rehab. I didn't run for six weeks before world supplement i like biked and i felt okay going into it and i told my hip give me 100 miles i'll take you on the most amazing vacation afterwards um so basically i got 25 miles in and i couldn't walk i fractured my hip that's what happened oh what was wrong with your hip in the first place i, I had stress like an fracture? edema i had like yeah stress fracture yeah. but it was like an edema which eventually which you know i sealed the deal and made it a proper stress fracture mm -hmm. which was misdiagnosed actually right out of like when i got back home okay. and i wasn't on crutches for about four to six weeks when i should have been that was fun so anyway like 20 actually earlier that year in 20 2017 was actually a rough year earlier that year i was trying to set a record up in the adirondacks to climb the 46 high peaks of the adirondacks in the winter mother nature dumped four feet of snow in the middle of that effort i drove my body into such a deep hole it took about four to six months to be able to eat properly. Like I got sick every time I ate Oof. straight up, like just exhaustion. So it's fair to say you don't know your limit. So, well, I, yeah, I guess that. I mean, kind of, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah you eat it's debatable. Months, but uh, but yeah. anyway, so 2017 was rough. 2018, I really recall if I raced much, but you know, like recently I've been doing, I'm like trying to think like what races I've done. Like, I'm more like, it's 2021, so there was COVID in 2020, Yeah, didn't race. I took on more of the time, like I took COVID as a time to explore the mountains in the Northeast, to kind of like reground myself in what I love, which is just like, just pure adventure. Yeah. Like being, looking at a map and being like, where should I go today? Or what yeah. do I want to do? Yeah. Um, piece together things. Um, I got into downhill mountain biking last year, which I love. Did you have an accident? I saw you on social. Um, oh, I had a regular bike accident this year. I had one oh. last year on the road, one this, one this year on the trail. I had a bunch of stitches in my face. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. But, um, but you know, for me last summer, I made this short film up in the new Hampshire on the, on the Pemi loop. It's like a famous running trail, 30 mile trail. And I was saying to my friend, Brian Evans, who we shot it together as a passion project. I'm like. I was trying to go for the FKT for the PEMI, which is fastest known time. Okay. It's like a thing in the ultra running world, okay. running world. Um, it's blown up, especially over COVID. And I was like, you know, as we were shooting it more and more, I was like, you know, maybe I should just do the whole 48, like the 48, 4,000 footers of the white mountains. It's like yeah. this official thing. Hikers do it. Yeah. So I think, uh, our licensed guy, Jillian, uh, has done them. So people, there's like the 46 of the Adirondack, the 48 of the whites. There's like the 35 of the Catskills, which I think is now 33 due to a land easement. Um, and there's like some in Maine. So hikers do it, runners do it. Um, and I was like, let me just go do all 48 all together. Like as fast one as shot. Well, yeah, pretty much. Like that's a, I wanted to get the FKT. I'm like, this sounds like a challenge. Cause so now keep in mind, like I haven't been doing 24 hour racing. I did like multi-day racing the year before COVID my, I did a 30 hour adventure race. My team crushed it. We won it. 
um, up in Canada. And that was like my last race. And I was like, I need it. I need something. I need something to focus on. I need something to focus on that's like me. That's Stephanie. Yeah. And I'm like, this sounds like a Stephanie challenge. Yeah. So yeah, just I just did it actually. I finished it two weeks ago. Oh, that, was that the one you told that us about? That was the one I was here? telling you about earlier. So, so what did you do? Tell us the record. Tell us what you did. So I am now the new, it should be official tonight. He's checking my GPS tracks because you have to like send in all your right. GPS. Um, I set a female record for supported for climbing the 48, 4,000 footers of New Hampshire. So I did not do like a through hike. I went from trailhead to trailhead. It was about 180-ish miles, 185 miles. About 73,000 feet of just climbing alone. So it's like the same number or so descending. How many miles? 180-something. You ran 180 miles? Mostly like power hiking, some jogging, but mostly power hiking. And the elevation was what? About 73,000. And how long did this take you? That took me four days and 14 hours, but it should have taken me less than four days because Mother Nature, once again, she said, this is too easy for you. Let me give you a torrential downpour, like two and a half days in, three feet, sorry, not three feet, three inches of rain. Yeah. My feet were submerged in water for you over have a photo two and a half of that. We'll, we'll put that photo in the video. You, you I'll can do send that. you yes. that. So Please. that's the photo of me at the end. Yeah. Um, my feet were my biggest limiter in that because the skin was just like literally like your skin like delaminates like the layers. And it feels like with every step. Now, this is not like Colorado terrain. Anybody from out west that's listening to this has never been in the northeast. The northeast is ruthless. The terrain is really rocky. It's technical. It's steep. We don't have altitude but we have big mountains and we have really technical terrain. Mm -hmm. So my feet were just getting trashed and trashed, being submerged in water nonstop. And then on top of that, being on this, like on these jagged rocks and roots. Um, So that was my biggest limiter. So like, yes, I set a record by about five hours. Am I hundred percent happy? I'm not because I know I'm better than that. Right. And it's frustrating to me because I know I'm better than that, but I need to keep on reminding myself that, it was out of my control. It was 100% out of my control. You, you, you are visibly frustrated. I am, yeah. yeah. And it's been, like, it's been like something I've been like working through since I finished. I'm, I'm just like, and I feel bad because I had such amazing I support. I want to validate what you did and said it was incredible. Like that's something I, that most humans can't do. And you should be, ha- I, I understand why you're not happy. Any competitive person, when they don't achieve their goal, but find some solace in knowing what you did is crazy uh, impressive. Thank you, and it, and it is, I guess, especially given given the conditions. I remember like one mountain I was on in the torrential downpour, falling asleep because it's the middle of the night, and it's like when you're tired and driving and your windshield wipers yeah. are on. I was like, it was like hypnotic, and right. I was like falling asleep, hallucinating, seeing things in the rocks and all this. And here I am being like, I was also getting cold. It was chilly that night, being like, I don't know if I'm gonna continue on like I actually had a moment but I was with somebody at that point and if I was by myself I think on that mountain I might have quit but I was with somebody else I was with like my cap my crew captain right and I was like I'm not quitting because you know what there are people here supporting me and this is not about me this is about us like Mm -hmm. we're a team out here we're gonna get this done like just put one foot in front of the other and just like do it. You figure out whatever you need to figure out to get motivated right? That's it exactly and it was just like you know don't complain about anything and I I complained about myself a little bit. Like I was complaining to myself. I never complained about anybody else. Right. But for me, it was like, they're like, I was like telling them, Stephanie, come on, you're better than this. Come. I was getting angry. I was like, right. but I was also so sleep you're deprived. I slept right three now. hours. You're turning red with, with yeah. anger. I, I hardly it. slept. I slept three hours over four and a half days, and I'm tired. And I would it would only happen at night. Like during the day, I was a normal person, like super motivated, like yeah. quick on my feet. At night, I was just so tired by like the third and the fourth night, especially like I was just like in my head. And it yeah. was like, I had to dig myself out of my head. And my team helped me dig myself out How of my head. How many people were on that team? There were like three main, there were three main people. Yeah. Mike, Glenn, and Kumi. And then um, other people, uh, another guy out there, Andrew, he has this, if you're ever up in New Hampshire in the White Mountains, there's a really awesome ski, mountain bike, and running shop called Ski the Whites. Okay. They have a good coffee shop too. But it's like a homey, super local. Yeah. They know all the cool spots to go. But he surprised me out there on one of the ranges. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he like brought me ramen. And I was like, yeah. what a surprise. You know, it was cool. It was like a good pick me up. But like my main crew, 
And then there are also Brian and Brian, Brian the photographer, and then the, his other friend Brian, and uh, they both like were out there supporting me as well. So like I had a solid crew out there, and then they also kept on feeding me info from like the outside world. They're like, you have no idea how many people are following you right now. So you carry. Yeah. I had a I had a live tracker on me. Okay. So you could go on to like this on a Garmin website, and you can follow my blue dot. Like oh, it so, pings. so you worked with Garmin as far as tracking? Well, for that, for that's like an in-reach. It's like a satellite communicator, so I can yeah. text my crew. And for live tracking, I do it for safety reasons. There's even an SOS button on it, like if you okay. need it. If so you're it's like, not like people using Strava. This is actually so official. that's like of like legit. Like right. if there's an issue, I use it. If there's an issue, right. like I can be rescued. Um, it's a straight up safety precaution. Right. And it's also because it's fun. People like to follow up the dot. It's fun. Like you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning. You're like, where is she now? And you get to see. All I would love to follow her. Mountains I've done. Yeah. But my main watch, I use like a, I use a polar watch, a polar, uh, polar grid X. It's like my go-to for all my like endurance stuff. So I have like the two things. So like the polar keeps me in check. The Garmin's like in my pack, like on yeah. my pack. I'm not really paying attention to it as much, but, okay. but yeah, so I did that and like, you know, I have an adventure race in two weeks. And what this, is this race you're racing in two weeks? In Canada. It's the race that my team won, my new team won so two years team ago. So it's a team race? It's a team race, adventure race. Do you prefer those to the individual races now? Different, very different. I like them both. I like, like taking on my own personal challenges. Yeah. But I also, the team races are fun because you really do push yourself like really hard because everybody's strong at something else. Like right. I'm not the strongest person on the bike. These guys are racing with are animals on the bike. Right. So I'm like, take my pack, give me a, a leash, like help me right. out on the bike. But when I'm trekking, I'm like, I'm good to go. Like right, let's crash, yeah. you know, I can run circles around them. So it's fun. Cause it helps me get better in other sports. Yeah. Um, and it's also fun cause you're with the team. Like, you know, like it's same with the supportive thing. You're out there, you're cracking jokes, right. weird things happen. You laugh about them. Yeah. You're sleep deprived. Alone. Yeah. You're not alone. That's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, There are a lot of stories, like yeah. a lot of fun stories. So is this what you, you're doing full time right now? It's like part full time. Um, I'm coaching on the side in true New York form. I have like, you know, 18 other of side course. hustles <laughs> to try to like, you know, make what, money. What could we do? Do you want to talk about those side hustles or? Well, those are just random things. They don't really have to random do with okay. random, random things. Nothing so what, could, what would you need to become a full-time uh, ultra endurance athlete? Money. Right. Money. Plus, I, I mean, not even. why, why yeah. you can't raise that with brands. You know, I guess I could. I think maybe because I flew more underneath the radar for so long yeah. and people didn't understand me. And I don't know, like maybe I just didn't create my own platform. I'm yeah. definitely like a unique athlete because I do a lot of different things. Um, but I also think I have a really strong personality and unlike some athletes and it's not to put them down, they're different. Like they just excel at sports and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like I actually love to do like content. I love to be on camera. Yeah. I think it's fun to connect with exactly. people. What, listen, she's obviously an amazing athlete and phenomenal. I mean, you're, oh, I wouldn't even consider you human with what you're doing. It's crazy. <laughs> You need to be like, we need to get you some sponsors. Please, like, please. I'm open. I'm and open. You're great. You're obviously great on camera. You have, you're, you're down to make some content. I love that kind of stuff. I think because to me, I get so much of my inspiration from hearing stories from other people and their stories are like, like, you know, maybe they've like, just like going out to run like a 5k or like, but it's like, that's a huge feat for them. And I am just like, I mean, that is amazing. Like talk my is making me them. think maybe I should give this a try. <laughs> you should. We can do. We should maybe go do that tough mutter and try state in October. I'll do. We can do it for fun. All right. I might be done and with it's, it. It's fun and it's. I have goofy. to ask my physiotherapist how that's going to affect my back. If he says I can do it with certain kinds of training, I'm in. You're. We'll. We'll make. Am it I going to be electrocuted? No. We can. You can go around it. You can watch me get electrocuted. I'm oh, done. Can you do please that. electrocute him? That'd be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> <on video. laughs> it's fun. It's like it's just a quick shock. You know, like I guess like. So like something like short circuits? Steph, whatever you're into. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, okay, not that this is like a, a lead into this, but <laughs> how is your, okay, your love life? Are you dating? Like I'm not dating right now. Okay, it's but, hard I mean, in New York. I was going to say, well, obviously it's hard in New York, but how does this ultra athlete stuff affect, uh, you know, the men that you're talking to? Like, is this a little emasculating for some of them? No, like, I think so. What has happened in the past, and it's just like, I'm like throwing my hands up in the air, giving up. Like, I've completely given up. Yes and no. Because they're really intrigued, but when it comes down to when I'm actually in like a real training block and I need to hunker down, go to bed early, wake up early, train, do work, etc., they're not down with it. 
And I'm like, well, if you're not down with that lifestyle, like I don't care if you go out and do your thing, but don't put me down because I need to go to bed at nine o'clock at night because I want to, because I want to sleep so I can perform better. Sounds like you should probably meet somebody within that realm. Yes and no. Like I can't be like too ultra competitive. No, no, but like, I mean like, yeah, it would. I honestly, in the world, they don't have to be an athlete. Totally jealous. Somebody who like likes to be outside, mountain bikes. Yeah. Maybe does a little trail running. They don't have to be a trail runner. Right. They could be a phenomenal mountain biker. That's awesome because I like to mountain bike, and I'm not like I'm not the best at it. So it would be fun. Like they're better at something. I'm better at something. Right. Like you know, we can also go do things together. That's definitely would help. Like a hundred percent. Um, in New York though, like I find like a lot of the people they're like to New York. I love New York. I, like I love the. I've, arts. Heard, I've heard a lot of complaints about New. York. I mean, I've experienced New York <laughs> you know? being a tough place to meet somebody. It so. is, and they're just like it's funny, and then this sounds so odd. They're like too type A because I can like joke around. I'm competitive, but I can also like share a laugh and like joke around and have yeah, a beer and like mess seriously. around, like you know, like just like enjoy things. Like some people are just too serious yeah. for me. You need to have like a light side to you. Hundred percent, I yeah. agree. Um, all right, I. I, definitely, I have some questions for you. Okay. But before I go into these questions, I want to have you back here. Like, let's maybe have you back here after one of your races or whenever you want. Because this, I can, I can keep on talking to you for hours. This let's is super interesting to me. No, maybe I, can, I can say at least two or three more episodes on this one. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and hopefully, um, in all seriousness, hopefully we get some brands involved in, in working with you. I mean, we try our, hard, we try our hardest to get brands involved with outsiders because it, it uh, exactly, because it helps us keep our costs low, helps us keep up and running and so on. So, And uh, it's also great, I think, when you're supported by a brand that you believe in and they support you. Like, oh, you just like, it just like elevates everything. It, I like, mean, Fat Tire is all about um, being carbon neutral. We work with Volvo, which is trying to do the same thing. Uh, My brother just leased a Volvo XC90. Perfect. That's what, we, that's what we take on our adventures. We have five, four to five of them. They invented the seatbelt and they made they it did. patentless yes. because they wanted it to be available to everybody. Another great brand with great yep. values, right? Yep. Um, Raven on running, also carbon, uh, carbon neutral or attempting to be. Um, so, yeah, it's, like you said, it's great to be working with brands that have the same values as you do. So. Yeah. And being in the outdoor realm, a lot of them have to, right? Well, they, in general, we have to because, you know, look what's happening to the earth right now. Like, I mean, like the outdoors, like that's our sanctuary. And yeah. the less we have of it, I think the more disease and, and just like imbalance we're going to have within this world, 100%. you know, uh, like and like you, you weren't into the going into the outdoors when you were younger, but you obviously find some solstice like Absolutely. going out there. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, what you talked about, about solace, I say solstice, solstice, solace, we know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> that feeling of like going out there and I noticed the, the, the change in people's demeanor when we uh, when we're out in the middle of the woods or nature and when we come back. Sometimes I come back and I'm like, I'm not ready to come back. I'm getting that little anxiety. That was that as well. Wall Street anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Are right, yeah. we really close on time? Okay. Hey, we can go over because we could chop oh, it up. Yeah. We'll go over like a minute. Yeah. Or two. No, we can go over more because because this this is and we have to have you back. Well, we're gonna do tough mutter. So you're gonna get cleared and we'll do tough mutter. Um, I'll wear a GoPro. We should and document bring a GoPro yeah. And we're Ooh. gonna document it. <laughs> you, if you've never seen me cry, tune into that. <laughs> <laughs> you won't cry, I promise. All right, I'm going with you, so I trust you. <laughs> no, you will have fun. Uh, there's a lot of questions here that I don't even want to ask you because everything's been so interesting. Right. Uh, but things like, what are the, actually, you know, uh, what is the dream that you've yet to achieve? It doesn't have to be related to the ultra race. Um, we'll take something outside of athletics. Yeah. And um, I have, I really want to get back into interior design and actually create an accessory line that's really inspired by all the interesting landscapes I have like powered through using my own energy. What's funny, and uh, I don't know what it is, if there's a correlation with, with people in the outdoors, but our licensed guy, Jillian, who's in the studio audience already. So Jill, uh, she's also, does uh interior design and party party decor right awesome yeah yeah so well, they, it is a form of interior design yeah and, and I, I know you've taken stuff from from nature and brought it to use in, in the indoors like you're collecting birch bark and things like that so well, it's like that's texture it's color palettes mm. i like come across like yeah. crazy sunrises and sunsets and just like like 
I'm just so inspired by the outdoors. And the biggest thing is like, we are what our environment is. Like our environment dictates how we feel mm -hmm. and it starts with the home. Yeah. And you know, and I go out to nature to, to elevate that, but it really does start in the home. It even starts in the bedroom. Like when you wake up in the morning, yeah, Absolutely. so being able to, you know, help elevate and enrich people's lives through design. Like I, that's, I would love to do it. I have so many questions here I'm not going to ask you because okay. I think we've gotten on a much more interesting tangent, but I, um, we're going to have you back, but I'm going to ask you, we finished off every, uh, every interview with a, a five rapid fire segment, a five right. rapid fire question segment. Uh, and some of these questions I'm like, I didn't even know what to ask you. And some of them are stupid, but it's okay. Go on. We're gonna, we're gonna no go questions. Okay. Stupid. What is, what is your dream sponsor? Red Bull. Red Bull. Okay. Red Bull, because they like, I like honestly, like they are just encourage the like no idea is too big. Right, and I love and I, that. And I love that about them. Yeah. And you know, they really encourage people to like their athletes to get out there and like go way above and beyond what they ever think is ever possible. And mm. they make it happen a lot, like most yeah. of the time. It's, I as a brand, I they've just they are really the brand of like extreme sports mm. and and all this crazy stuff i love their creativity yeah. and they're willing yeah. to go the they extra really mile. are it's um uh, their production team is next level yeah uh what's your vice oh i don't know if i have like a, a vice. i mean if i had like, to call it it it's ultra ultra endurance marathon <laughs> yeah so. i mean i don't i don't know if i have a like a vice so much anymore like i don't know hmm so, <laughs> hmm that's a tough one yeah what's your vice i don't oh like you know, mm, yeah, maybe that, like ice cream, <laughs> okay. ice cream. Well, <laughs> that's going to probably answer our, our last question. We have one more before our last question. Uh, oh, actually, we have two more. Well, what's your favorite city other than New York City? Um, that's a tough one because I've gone to some really amazing remote, like really remote places that I love. But city-wise, Nice will always have a special nice. place in my heart. I studied abroad there in college, okay. and um, that experience – changed my life I've been, I've been there I'm, I'm actually yeah French oh sorry oh, my, I have my phone on silent <laughs> um I yeah so I would say like as of now like Nice because you have the beach you have the mountains yeah. you just beautiful like, Mediterranean oh, city it's yeah it's it's everything um what's your favorite season you're an outdoors person so that's so um, I would say like autumn because you get a shoulder season you can get like warm weather but up like in the mountains you can still get some snow but not yeah. that like really miserable freezing cold snow spring i would say spring but you get mud season so yeah. like fall to winter is a little bit better Fall's so like end favorite. of autumn yeah um and what's your favorite food but i think we know yeah it's ice cream but like yeah i like all food no, i just a band is actually in the in that fridge i think i can't um, I like ice cream is it's my favorite so i mean what kind of ice so, cream and why so van lewin i've been a van lewin fan since they had their ice cream truck Okay, wow. In New York City. I'm like one of their first customers ever. I mean... And like, you're also vegan, aren't you? I am I'm now vegan for just over three and a half years. Okay. And they have a phenomenal vegan selection of ice cream. Um, they so do. they really do. Their and cookies and cream vegan so is so good. I should have brought you that one, but I brought a different no, no, one. We I, want it. It's your favorite. Well, it's that's not my favorite, so I like them all. I, that's my problem. It's like I, them all next I time. always <laughs> say, like I go in the store and I'm like want to be an ostrich and like just put my head in the freezer and just like start eating it all. Oh <laughs> so it after my great. second, um, after my death race in 2014, I notoriously pounded like a gallon of ice cream actually at the end of it. Um, yeah, it's my thing. Do we so, have any spoons or no spoons? This one, whoops, I just moved the mic. Sorry about that. I brought mint chip because it's summer. And that's the summer thing for you. Well, I like mint chip. Actually, my favorite, like, so they have their specials every month, but like my favorite of their like standard flavors is strawberry jam cookie crumble. That's really I had good. That one, actually. that one I like a lot. Mint chip, though, you summer, it's classic. Yeah. You Can know, I and they're mint chip. My favorite yeah. that I always have in my freezer is their own glaze. So they, oh, oh you okay. just spoke about I that. You're killing me. You're killing me. So they just ended Van Lewin. If you are listening, I hope you are. Number one, sponsor me. Number two. <laughs> The, you just ended the vegan Earl Grey, and I was in New Hampshire, so I was unable to get a pint. Oh, we'll have, yeah. oh, I have a, I do have a spork in my backpack. I'm one spork. Yeah. yeah, I always carry a spork. Metal I just spork. want to taste a little bit of that. And uh... we don't want to eat. The, so I did some quality control earlier. I had to have. Oh, you had some already. I, okay. <laughs> 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 I had to do, Pass that over here then. I had to do some quality control, but.
right. I feel like it's summer. I, I didn't bring had this from Van Loon yet. This is a vegan. Uh, it's, a vegan it's super minty. It's very like fresh. It's like a good like mm. palate cleanser, but also a good meal if you're on the run. It's really good. <laughs> Pine ice cream can't go wrong. But so I'm you a can't big tell fan. It's not, uh, you can't tell it's vegan. That's so a lot of they've done a really great job at those flavors. I have some friends that are not vegan that prefer a lot of their vegan flavors over the regular Mm. flavors. I'm lactose intolerant, so this works for me. Oh, really? Oh, Oh, excellent. Well, well, I mean, I'll eat ice cream. I did it yesterday, and I mean, it's not that's your new thing right there. I definitely go with this one. Yeah, so that one's really good with like just. On its own, this I is like. Really it. Good. You know yeah, what? go for it. Come on, go, go, go. I will. I am, and because otherwise, I'm gonna eat the rest of the pint. I'm gonna keep on eating. But on that note, it's time for us to go. All right. I, we have to come back. This, we can go like three more sessions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'd love to. All right, let's do and it. And I'm gonna drag you out to the. You can. I'll join maybe one of your outsiders. I think on one weekend we should. You have to. We can do a, a something something fun and themed, and I don't know what, but there's so oh, many yeah. options. Well, why don't we have a special edition outsiders adventure? with you let's do it like you're the one that decides what we do I, remember we're, there's no experts these aren't outdoor experts yeah. other folks so no well that's the whole i love it actually those are the those are my favorite people to mm. bring outdoors because if i can help like open up their world to the wonderful world of like outdoor activities yeah. whatever it may be like that's that just makes me so happy and inspires me absolutely you know uh i'm gonna keep on eating this do so. it thanks for coming thank you so much appreciate it. guys Brands specifically, we need to get uh, conversations going with Steph, please. That's right. Let's do it. Stephanie Bishop. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeremy. Peace, guys.